We thank you that our life in Christ is described well in the verse that your apostle penned for us when he said, for I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. The life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The children sang it well. We live it because we believe it. The issue that we'll be faced with this morning, though, describes the fact that what is it that we believe? We, we can't get away from it, Lord. It's described in your word that what comes out of our mouth flows from our hearts. We're faced with a passage of Scripture that reminds us that it is by the gospel. Again, that is recorded for us. It's not only by the gospel by which we are saved, but it is the gospel by which we stand. And in this world, in this particular world system that we find ourselves occupied in, it appears that the truth of your word is no longer regarded it's only looked at as being fallacy if it's even true at all. And yet, God, you've told us that these would be the days in which we would live. So this morning, our God, as we reflect upon your word, I, I pray that our hearts would be in tune with your spirit. That our minds would be engaged with our hearts and the very truth that is in your word may it change us from glory to glory from faith to faith for the just shall live by faith this morning too Lord we'd like to remember some of our family members who are at a point Lord whether they've had surgery like Kathy Troutman and the knee replacement surgery that she had, I pray for her recovery. The therapy that she will have to go through is, is going to be strenuous. But I pray, oh God, that even in that, she will be strengthened day by day. Our brother Randy Phillips, as he faces his radiation treatments this next week, I ask, O oh God, for strength for him. Pray for the success, the positive success of these particular treatments. I pray, Lord, that you would, as you already have, have comforted him in his heart and his family members, and they, they look to you, Lord, to do that which it's impossible for them to do. And so, God, I pray that you would give him rest and strength in the times that he needs that. I pray, too, for Gladys Billow, as for many years she just could not be with us because she can't drive anymore, but right now she's in a facility that is helping her with 
rehabilitation, trying to help to strengthen her. I pray, oh God, that you would, uh, in your time, be able to raise her up and fulfill the deepest desire of her heart, which is just to go home. I pray, Father, that you would bless her. Thank you that you're with her. And may you, Lord, use the therapists, use the nurses that minister to her and all that would come her way as she is in the the nursing facility. I pray, God, that you would strengthen her. When we come to your word, Lord, it's... Times it's a scary thing because it describes us. And I pray, Father, that what we do not see of ourselves, that you would make it plain. That which we lack in understanding, you will make it simple. And then when we are weak, I thank you, God, that in you we can be strong. So as we spend these moments in your word, I ask that your spirit will teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever you have told us. We covet your presence and ask, O Lord God, that you would cause upon this congregation this morning a holy awareness of who you are. Make us so aware and so keen that we would remain faithful and would not walk away. These things, O Lord, I ask in your most precious name. Amen. Julius Caesar in his conquest of the Gauls, described individuals this way when he says, how fickle and changeable the Celtic temper, the Gauls, for the most part, affect new things. Another author wrote, giddy-headed hearers who are world about by every wind of doctrine being constant only in their inconsistency. From a historical perspective, that describes the culture of the ones to whom the apostle wrote this book called, or this letter called Galatians. If you've listened to Tony Evans most recently within the last year, He refers to it as the book of the Galateans. And if you want to do a word search in the original Greek, you will find out that he's not mispronouncing because the accent is different than what we say in Galatians. It should be Galateans. But we'll just stick with what we know, Galatians. We come to that portion of Scripture in verses 6 through 10 that is perplexing to me. The question that comes from these four verses is this. What causes people to forsake the gospel? Let me rephrase that. What causes believers 
to forsake the gospel of Jesus Christ. Early in church history, as I was blessed to be able to come out of cemetery or seminary, whichever one you wish to use, there was a new church movement that was, a, that was coming. And it engaged churches so much that they said, well, if that is successful there, then we have to do it here because we want to be as successful here as they are there. We're fickle people. We, in many ways, if we would be honest with ourselves, and I trust that you'll be as honest with yourself as I am myself, we like new things. We like new thoughts. We enjoy, if you will, the excitement of that which is brand new. And that describes the Galateans. What was coming their way was a new way of belief. It's described, interestingly, by the Apostle Paul when he refers to it as a different gospel, which he says really is not new. It's different. Let's read these verses in Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, where it says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do now persuade men. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Notice, if you will, in the opening verse of verse 6, what it was that they defected to and from. It says, first of all, that they defected from the person of Christ. They defected from him. They fell away, if you will. Now, what caused me to be perplexed of this passage is what the Apostle Paul wrote later in his life, in fact, very close to his death, when he penned the words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And the opening verses of that chapter begin to describe what is known as the apostasy, the falling away from. I invite you to turn to that passage because I think it is pretty close to what we're going to look at the rest of this morning in the next 25 minutes. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. It 
It says, now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, given heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. In the latter days, there will be what is called some will depart from the faith. The Greek word is apostasy. We call it the apostasy, the leaving, if you will, of the tenets of the word of God. Now, lest you forget, there was a church that was recorded in the book of the Revelation, chapter 2, the church at Ephesus. The church is introduced as being blessed by God, and so much so that their works are accounted throughout all of the world. But then John writes, but this I have against you, Jesus says. You have left your first love. What causes that? What is it that brings an individual by faith who have trusted Jesus Christ to all of a sudden forsake that which they once believed. Now, lest you are beginning to think in your mind that Pastor Doug believes you can lose your salvation, no. I do not believe that at all. But what I do believe is there can come a point and a place in an individual believer's life whereby they say to Jesus Christ, I've had enough. I'm going my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. What causes that? I think Galatians chapter 1 and verses 6 through 10 give us three reasons. They, first of all, they have defected from the person of Christ. Secondly, they defected from the truth of the grace of God, the grace of God. And they defected to a different gospel, a different gospel. Mark down next to those three things, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 6. In case you want to know what the gospel is, it's fully explained. Let me just give you a synopsis. The gospel by which we are saved and which we are stand is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and was seen of Cephas, then of others, then at one time 500, was seen of many. That's the gospel. 
It can't be any plainer. And what is so dynamic about the gospel is it can be understood by vacation Bible school students from the age of four. They understand. It can be that clear and it can be that convicting that even a young child can come to know and understand and believe that is in Christ and Christ alone they may have their sins forgiven. Anything added to that, the Apostle Paul says, is another gospel. In fact, let me give to you the three reasons why I believe individuals turn away from the gospel. Number one, or number two, if you will, in your notes is this. Believers turn away from the gospel because of those who trouble them. They bring trouble. Hmm. What's interesting is Paul writes for us in Romans chapter 16, and especially in verses 17 to 19, he marks when he says, Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned. And he says, Avoid them. Avoid them. Individuals can come in and begin to bring trouble. Do, do you remember the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and the elders before he left there when he said, Be aware that when I leave, wolves will come in sheep's clothing and begin to rip apart this work. Individuals that bring trouble are noticed in throughout Scripture. In fact, in our study of 1 Corinthians many years ago and many lost sermons ago, in chapter 1, it refers to the fact that there are divisions and schisms among you because they began to say, I was baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by this person. And the Apostle Paul said, even some of you are saying, I've been baptized by the Apostle Paul. So we're greater. We're closer to God. That was destroying the church. Individuals that come in and begin to bring trouble the Apostle Paul writes to the Galateans is, that's why you're falling away. The Judaizers followed the Apostle Paul's work. Wherever he went, they soon followed because they wanted to incorporate the system of law. They felt that if truly to be a, quote, person of the way, that you had to be Jewish, because that's the only nation that God is going to bless. And what happened is anything that is added to the gospel pretty soon not only perverts it, but that becomes the gospel. One noted theologian wrote this. He said, if the gospel is distorted, the centrality of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is minimized. 
we skip back into an age when in Christ, no, we are not, he is not the rescuer. And where the Spirit is not the one who brings a life of freedom and love. Distortions of the gospel, no matter how slight at first, can eventually degenerate into an obnoxious perversion of the gospel. They come in and trouble us. Apostle Paul says, that's one reason why you're falling away. You're troubled. What seems to be new is not new. It's old. I say this with all fear and trembling because the statement I'm about to, be make, to make can be taken out of context. I, I hope not. I become troubled when I hear believer people come back and begin to express to me of how exciting a church service was that they were at. Why can't we do that? Why can't that happen here at Grace Community Church? And I begin to ask them, what made it so exciting? Oh, and they give me the reasons. I don't know if newness brings about excitement. But I do know this, that if you have not come this morning prepared in your heart to meet Jesus Christ and to hear from him, no matter what happens on this platform, you're going to walk out saying, that did nothing for me. You want excitement in the gospel? Let me let you in on a little secret. Share it with somebody. Tell them. You want the newness of life? Prepare your heart before you come. Because I can't conjure up anything in you. There's not a song that can be sung. There's not a hymn that can be played that will capture your heart other than Jesus Christ and who he is. And if you haven't lived for him during the week, don't anticipate to meet him on Sunday because it won't happen. Charles Spurgeon made an interesting statement when he said, how many of you would go to a grocery store and shop and come out with your cart empty because you haven't taken the time to write a list of what you need and then you complain that the store hasn't met your needs. And he said, the sad part of it is, is that what happens in church? 
We've not been prepared. We've forgotten who Jesus Christ is from Monday to Saturday. And you expect to meet him on Sunday? God forbid. We fall away from the truth of the gospel because we're troubled by people's thoughts. Don't get too religious. I wish back here, I can't do it because I have two artificial hips and I'm not supposed to jump. But when I see these children, if we believe it, we got to live it, and they jump. I hope that stays with them all of their lives. The second reason why I believe people turn away from the gospel is because there are those who pervert the gospel. They pervert the gospel. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and, and verse 3, and Pastor Isaac and I were discussing this even this morning that when Paul writes to Timothy and he says, be faithful to preach the word of God in season and out of season. And he warns them that there will be individuals who will follow after itching ears, gather to themselves teachers that they like, and yet at the same time, they pervert the very doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm very cautious of individuals who hide behind a pulpit area and begin to give a false hope of riches if only they would send money to me. There was one preacher who most recently, maybe you saw this on the internet, calling out that he needs a new jet. I don't know how many millions of dollars and he qualified it by saying this, and how dare he do this, but anyway. He qualified it by saying, if Jesus was on this earth, he wouldn't ride a donkey, he'd be in a private jet. And if he's going to be in a private jet, I need a private jet. You know what the sad thing of it is? Is he got that stupid jet. Because people listened to a perverted gospel. And you go up to them and ask them, how is it that they know that their sins are forgiven and they have eternal life? They can come back simply by saying, well, I gave money to a preacher so that he can have a new jet. Hmm. How quickly we get lost. How quickly we walk away. How devastating it is to hear an individual say, I know this is wrong according to the word of God, but I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. They have perverted 
the gospel. And they begin to fall away. The third reason, our time is slipping, but the third reason is this. Believers turn away from the gospel because they might be more interested in pleasing men than being a bondservant of Christ. That word bondservant is translated in the Greek, doulos, slave, slave. What's interesting is the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 describes for us two slaves. And basically he's saying, you choose which one you want. You can either be a slave of sin or you can be a slave of righteousness. You choose. There's no neutral ground, by the way. You can't stay stagnant. Because either you will be a slave of sin or you will be a slave of righteousness. The choice is yours. And he goes on to compl- and begins to wonderfully, dialectically begin to develop the argument that whoever slave you are, that will be your master. The Apostle Paul says, do I do this to please men? No. I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ, a slave of his. A slave is wonderfully described as one who serves the master without wavering, and with no determined purpose. I'll only serve him if he blesses me. No, a slave never asks that question. The only question a slave is, is what can I do for you today, my master? Notice the warning. We skipped verses 8 and 9. And the warning is scary. If we or an angel from heaven come to you preaching any other gospel than what you have heard, let them be anathema. It says cursed here. Let them be an anathema. An anathema is coming under the wrath of God. In reality, what Paul is saying, let them be condemned to hell. And it's so strong of a statement that he repeats it in verse 9. Again, I say to you, Just in case you didn't hear me, if anyone comes preaching to you any other gospel than what has already been believed, let them go to hell. The most dynamic thing this morning is this. More of you are concerned that I said the word hell than you are in living for Jesus Christ. 
That is what was troubling. Who are you living for? Have you been swayed by the thoughts of this world? Have you cheapened the gospel? Are you more concerned about pleasing men than being a slave of Jesus Christ? And if you are, if you've done any of those things, I guarantee you, you will fall away. It's inevitable. I beg you this morning, on the authority of the Word of God, don't do that. If you've begun to walk away from Jesus Christ, please come back. Please. If you're following after the world system, thinking that it's okay to live a life depending upon the way you want to live it, then I ask you to change the way you live. And if you are more intent on pleasing men than being a doulos of God, I ask you to reconsider. Because being a slave of God will not cause you to fall. Let's pray. I groan this morning, O oh God, in my spirit. I cry, O oh God, for those who have determined to walk away. I hurt when I hear individuals tell me that I would rather live like the world than follow Jesus Christ. Oh God, I, I pray that an awakening of your spirit in our lives in our church, in our community, an awakening that would sweep across us in such a way that, that you would be considered worthy to live for. This world has nothing to offer us. But in you, the riches of glory through Christ Jesus are available if we would only trust in you. Oh God, please don't let us so soon walk away. Let us fall in love with you more and more, deeper and deeper, with the determination that whatever we do and whatever we say, would be for your honor and for your glory.
And it is only in Christ Jesus I can ask these things.